0: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
1: Hey, everyone. Hope you're off to a great day. This is Joyce Bender. I'm so excited to talk to everyone. And I want to send out a special welcome to all of our listeners in the United States, and around the world. You know, China keeps growing with listeners, and I'm so appreciative. But I know you hear me say this on every show. I don't care if it's one person, one, in your country. If you're that one, that's great, because you're going to end up spreading that right along. And Yoshiko Dart, special shout-out to you, Yoshiko Love you, Yoshiko. Hope you are getting ready for ADA Month coming up. You know, I have to mention, since I mentioned around the world, I have to mention Richard Roberts, who is, by the way, also an author. He is a great friend of mine. I first met him in Seoul, and, uh, Seoul South Korea, and I was just thinking about him when I saw this photograph of me at the American Center the day we were celebrating uh, ADA, that that you had a special celebration there. That was so awesome. Uh, And I just love Richard so much. And Gang Young in uh, in South Korea, Richard's in Okinawa, and Venyamin, who is in Kazakhstan, and Cheryl Harris, who is in Tunisia, and Ambassador Norlin, who is in Libya. Wow. We have some great disability rights leaders around the world, and that is so, so awesome. We have a fabulous sponsor. Thank you, Highmark for being our sponsor for the past four years. Such a great company, Highmark is. And thank you, David Holmberg, Karen Hanlon, Deb Rice-Johnson, uh, Cindy Hunderfein, Larry Kleinman, all of the leaders, Dan Honorato, McMalik, I could go on forever with all of the leaders that support me from, that, from uh, Highmark. It means so much. Well, I am especially excited. I must admit, I am biased because this is a friend of mine that I really, really like a lot. Uh, but he is also a disability rights leader and a corporate executive. He has done so much. He's known around the world. He's spoken, you know, he's been across the United States. He was the chair of the board of AAPD, the American Association of People with Disabilities. But first, welcome Fred Moss. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much, Joyce. It's a pleasure to be here with you today and with all of our listeners.
1: And Fred, by the way, in addition to working as an executive at Comcast, as I told you, chair of the board of AAPD, many, many other things, many that he's been involved with, is also an entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Moz Travel. So Travels, I just wanted to mention that also. But Fred, since we do have listeners around the world, how about if we start by you telling Everyone, the Fred Moss story.
0: I will. (laughs) Well, thank you, Joyce. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, uh, Let me just say this, uh, that um, when I was 18 years old, I uh, grew up here in Wilmington, Delaware, and lived here my entire life. And uh, just before going off to college, literally four days before I started college, so September 1st of 1980, was on vacation. It was Labor Day, uh, so a Monday, uh, with family and friends uh, down at the beach, was on my father's boat, all of us. And um, the short of it is, I dove off of my father's boat because another boat was heading towards ours. Uh, And my first reaction was, get in the water, help dad keep that boat from crashing into ours. Uh, Little did I know that the bow of the boat was resting on a sandbar. So when I dove uh, about a height of eight feet, um, hit a sandbar in about a foot of water, um, broke. I didn't know it at the time, but I broke my neck and became paralyzed from the chest down. Uh, And then from there uh, was medevaced to Thomas Jefferson Hospital uh, in Philadelphia and spent uh, a month there uh, and in intensive, you know, in the ICU and, and then intensive care and, uh, and uh, part rehab. And then uh, the following six months I spent in, also in Philadelphia at McGee Rehab. Um, and then once I got out, you know, remember this was 1980. When I got out uh, in 81, um, this was nine years before the Americans with Disabilities Act. So for me... Um, you know, just wanting to, you know, live an independent, typical life. Um, number one, the college I was going to go to was not accessible, so, uh, so I had to switch and, and make different plans. Number two, um, I didn't see a lot of people like me out and about, people who had some type of disability. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that was strange. Um, like, yeah, I know. I knew for sure that I wasn't, um, you know, the only person with a disability living in Delaware or the Delaware area. Um, And and it dawned on me, um, there just wasn't really much access. You didn't see really accessible transportation. You didn't see curb cuts. You didn't see uh, accommodations that, you know, helped people with disabilities to live independently. So, um, that began my journey uh, as a person with a disability, and uh, it was in nineteen eighty two that uh, that I started my corporate career um, after uh, finding a local college that um, luckily was nearby. Uh, they had never had anyone with a disability go there, let alone uh, someone who used a wheelchair so I spent uh, the summer, after I got out of rehab, helping them to adapt the campus. And, um, and then that fall, enrolled full-time in classes.
1: Wow. I, I have to ask you a question first. You sure. have incredible fortitude. You're resilient. Uh, what, what gave you the wherewithal after that accident to keep on going?
0: Great question. Um, You know, I think a lot of it was uh, a lot of love and support from my family, um, from my friends, uh, the the excellent staff at uh, both Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and McGee Rehab. Uh, And then a lot of it was, you know, on me, of course. Um, You know, growing up, I was always told that I was... uh, very independent, so I always like to do things. Um, you know, as a kid, just explore and understand things, and, uh, and just find find solutions. So um, I think all of that combined, uh, along with uh, you know, coming to the realization very quickly uh, that uh, that the big guy, God, uh, had a had a different plan for me, and. You know, he, he threw the curveball and, uh, it was for me, uh, I, I'm very black and white. I'm compartmentalized. So for me, this was, you know, choice A or B. And, uh, A was to, um, to, to work with it to, uh, and become as independently as possible and, and to go on with my life. And that's what I chose to do. And, um, and, and I believe that's what, helped me to start my corporate career, a very long corporate career, uh, in the spring of 1982 while I was going to college uh, and then worked my way through uh, college uh, uh, in a corporate career.
1: Oh Yeah, well, that's evident because you worked in corporate America for over 30 years, and I know you spent this great time at Comcast. When you first started, though, Fred, how did mm-hmm. you feel? You know, how did you feel when you first started your career being probably, I'm going to guess, the only person in a wheelchair uh, in your area, your floor, your, you know, whatever? Um, how did you feel?
0: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I started my corporate career in banking, um, you know, over thirty years ago, and the so here you go. the building, my first corporate job was in a two-story building, and of course, my office was on the second floor with no elevator. Uh. Um, so so I arranged uh, where uh, family or friends would take me to classes at college in the morning. I would get picked up and then uh, dropped off at work around noon or so. And uh, <laughs> two guys who became very good friends um, would lift me, chair and all, uh, and carry me to the second floor uh, for, for my work. And remember, um, you know, no elevators, so uh, lunchroom, accessible bathroom, uh, you know, anything, breaks for dinner or lunch, whatever, you had to go back downstairs, so um they those two guys uh really did become a, very good friends back then and he also see, received some pretty awesome birthday and christmas gifts each year uh as a thanks uh but that that's how i started my corporate career so um you know my my boss literally asked me he said listen are you okay with this and i said yeah i mean you know let's let's do this and uh so carrying up and down the stairs for about three years until we moved into a new building, a newer building uh, that it did have an elevator, uh, fortunately, and uh, and that's how that's how it was back then. People with disabilities were either overlooked or were an afterthought, and um, that's why, in many cases, again back then, people with disabilities uh, were referred to as shut-ins. Um, they're they're there was no access for them to have jobs or live independently and uh, I was very fortunate um, to uh, you know to to go out and find something and find people who uh, were willing to help help me to you know to, to be as independent as possible.
1: You know what um, that's amazing that story. Uh, and, and you know if you're listening to the show, you, Meet Fred now, that he's had this successful corporate career and so well known, you know, for all his work as a disability leader and advocate. But you weren't there to see that part, you know, when when people had to carry him up two steps. To, I mean, to fl- to get to the second floor. You you weren't there then, and sometimes people forget. What people with disabilities went through to just get where they are today. And Fred, I never knew that story. And that is an amazing story. You know, what, what you went mm-hmm. through to work. This is what I always say. People with disabilities, and Fred's the example right there, would give anything to work, including being carried up two flights of steps. So there's your example right there with Fred Moss, what he did to get started and to work. But, you know, Fred, you didn't just work in corporate America. You also worked and became known uh, internationally as a renowned disability advocate. What I'm meaning is many people have disabilities, but they don't all decide, oh, I want to be an advocate. But you did. Why is that?
0: Well, I... Again, I'll go back to um, my very first experiences after I got out of rehab. Just finding, even here in the small state of Delaware, um, that things just were not accessible. And um, you know, again, family and friends. Uh, you know, we would we would travel together. We would go places together. And um, you know, I always would always say, there's there's a they was say we can't get into that place. What are we going to do? You know, they have no elevator or there's no parking or whatever the situation was. And, and I would, I would always say to them, there, there's always a plan B. So, um, I, like many other people, I could probably write a book or, uh, maybe even a very funny movie, uh, about the, the alleyways and back doors and, uh, odd ways uh, that I've been kicking into um, buildings and other places over the years um, but you know that's that's how it was and that's that's really the impetus of um, of of why i had i felt I had to do something I, I had to i had to help not only myself but but other people with disabilities who as you said maybe didn't decide that they wanted to be an advocate or uh, to t- to be a voice, everybody has a voice, and you either choose to use it or or you know allow others to and um, I would say that that was my impetus so all through my thirty plus corporate you know career you know my corporate career uh, working for comcast and and other fortune uh, fifty and thirty companies um, you know i I just worked my way through volunteering uh, outside of work, and even in work, uh, through nonprofit organizations and, and other ways uh, to represent and help people with disabilities, uh, first at the local level and then became state and it grew to federal and then uh, eventually to an international level. Um, but, I, but I have to tell you, you know, all of that experience was tremendous, and I've met so many wonderful people Along the way, and and was fortunate to have the the support of the companies that I worked for uh, to partner with and support lots of great organizations, including AAPD and Easter Seals, the Arc, and many others. Um, but all the while, Joyce, it 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 felt it felt part time. It, it, and by that, I mean my passion, my true passion was. And going back to what I said before, I think I think all of this happened for a reason. I think uh, God wanted me to uh, to do something with this and to help others. Uh, so in 2019, I went to my boss at the time, and I and I told him, I said, uh, "It's time. It's time." He and he understood, he, and um, you know, he he gave me his full support, um, and so. I started my own uh, consulting firm, uh, and then I-, I thought it would have some downtime, frankly, and it just it's just blossomed. Uh, we're, over the past two years now, um, also partnering with a company out of Canada called Travel for All as their partner and CEO, where we provide... Um, uh, accessible and inclusive travel options for people with special needs, special requirements uh, all over the world. Um, I believe we're the only company that does that globally, where we work with a network of over a 1,000 partners. So if Joyce wants to go to Machu Picchu and she needs a wheelchair, accessible transportation, oxygen, and a caregiver, we'll work with our partners to make sure that not only are, do you have all of those uh, in place for your trip, uh, but we'll also book, of course, your your air and your, your hotel for you. Um, and then, um, about later later that year, in early 2020, I partnered with uh, another lady out of Canada uh, who's from Grenada uh, for a magazine called Melange Accessibility for All. And... Uh, as, the, as a new magazine, I was asked to be their editor, so um, we have we launched that in October of last year, and our good friend Tony Coelho was uh, on the cover, and we, we did it uh, during the month of October on purpose, and it just so happens uh, that you, uh, this radio host, uh, was also uh, a subject of a recent article uh in one of our issues and uh it's a it's a wonderful magazine where we tell um, stories and we have articles about people and places and products and you name it uh, from all over the world uh that are somehow impacting people with disabilities and uh it's it's just been wonderful to to meet and interview so many so many just wonderful uh people who are doing really great things, uh, and and these places that you find that are accessible that you never would have dreamed of, uh, you know, we're writing about them, and um, so I've been fortunate. I, I, I really have, and it's been uh, working with great people and uh, just being fortunate and, and just, just working hard at it.
1: Wow, I know that is so exciting. And I want to talk about all of that in a little more detail. I mean, what you're doing now. But you also, as you were saying, you did so much, Fred, for the disability community as a corporate executive. And something that stands out in my mind is the PSA you did for AAPD, uh, which all of this was a result of you, all these things that happened. Uh, with Easter seals and with the ark and everyone. I just want all of our listeners to know how much you did for all these other uh, organizations. I mean, the disability community. Well, but but that was well, a big thing you. you did.
0: Well, was, you know, it, it, it wasn't just me, as you know, it, it was being able to show the companies that I work for, and uh, especially at Comcast and this Universal. Um, the importance of uh, the disability population and what a critical and integral part that people with disabilities um, have, you know, in our community. And we all know that you know about one in five people around the world have some type of disability. Yet we remain, as you well know, uh, the most underemployed and overlooked population, even though we're the largest demographic and. We've got to find ways to change that. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, when I first joined Comcast, I was probably one of the very few people with a visible disability, uh, and uh, through the the different steps that they uh, made and 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 programs that they had and uh, and continue to do, um, that's changed quite a bit. And uh, they they are investing. Uh, quite a bit, not just financially but quite a bit in, in human resources as well uh, to, to level the playing field for people with disabilities. So uh, again it wasn't it wasn't just me, it was a lot of other people behind the scenes who uh, believed in it and it, uh, as we all know, um, nothing happens without support from the top. And I give all credit to uh, Brian Roberts, the CEO of Comcast mba Universal. Uh, David Cohen, uh, who was overseeing all of our philanthropic efforts at the time, uh, and and many other roles that he had. But uh, that's where it starts when you have that support and uh, just belief uh, from the very top. That's when things get done.
1: That is so true. That is so true. And Fred, when you went into your own business, so just so we have this right. Do you still do consulting also?
0: Correct. Uh, so when I began uh, my business in 2019, it, uh, literally that's, that was my primary business, consulting in the disability space, working with uh, companies and nonprofits, individuals uh, all over for, for lots of different topics uh, and, and issues relating to people with disabilities and helping them to find solutions in in many different ways. Um, But what I quickly found, and and it made all the sense in the world, right, during my entire corporate career, uh, I did quite a bit of travel. I I was on a plane, it seemed, almost uh, just about every other week. So while traveling, um, both before the ADA and and certainly well after, uh, finding all different types of issues that anyone uh, with any type of disability would face and so uh, what I would typically do is I would uh, meet with a manager either during or after my stay and and show them you know with these few changes um, how you know everyone, not just people with disabilities could really benefit and uh, again I'm not just limiting that to mobility, uh, impairments, uh, but but really across the spectrum. Uh, you know, with my experience and uh, my exposure to you know a, a vast uh, number of disabilities, uh, you know that I was j- just again exposed to over the years, or or, um, or learned about, or could speak about. And that's that's what I began uh, a real focus on accessible travel and tourism. And so that uh, has now evolved. Um, While I'm still consulting, that's my primary business, um, we really do focus on uh, accessible travel and tourism. So uh, working with uh, ministries of tourism, government, city planners, uh, other government agencies and hoteliers, and I mean, you name it, around the world to to really make things uh, accessible for all. Uh, and if, if we could get more uh, people, more companies, more organizations to really adopt this whole approach of universal design, uh, it's not just, you know, Fred using a wheelchair and being able to have access. It's, it's anybody with any type of disability being able to access uh, that place, that building, that museum, that Uh, you know, whatever tourist travel destination spot it might be, um, you know, it's possible. We just have to get people educated. We have to show them uh, what the benefits are, again, for everyone, uh, and then get everybody rowing in the right direction, in the same direction.
1: Yeah, because I see many different uh, components here. For example, if a business listening to the show, if you have employees that are in a position where they're required to travel, and let's say they use a wheelchair, this would be a great uh, contract to have with Fred so that you know he could just handle all of that. His company could handle all of that. For you, when you have people that are going to travel, they could have paraplegia, they can quadriplegia, but f- instead of you trying to spend time figuring that out, Fred could do that. Then, for people with disabilities that want to travel, that's a pain in the neck. You know that, Fred. So hard oh, yeah. it is to get uh, travel right for people with disabilities. And I'm going to guess, tell me if you think this is correct, that a vast majority of people with disabilities that have mobility issues, you know, or whatever it is, that they do not know they could travel to a lot of, what I'll say, tourist sites because they can't figure out accessibility. Do you think that's true?
0: Oh my gosh, a thousand percent. So at at Travel for All, um, what we do is, you know, we're we're helping people who are on dialysis, people who are blind, people who are hard of hearing, uh, uh, people on the autism spectrum. I mean, you name it. Um, we're we we're helping all different types of di- people with di- all different people, all different people with different types of disabilities to en- enjoy the world, to travel the world, and. Uh, the interesting thing is, and, and when I'm working with governments or hoteliers or, or pure businesses and they're trying to understand why they should invest a small amount, comparatively speaking, uh, to accommodate people with disabilities by making things accessible for all, when they're trying to think, geez, why should I spend money You know, and we're only getting this many visitors with disabilities each year or we're not getting any. What I try to show them is with the disability population. So if you were to take conservatively about 1.4 billion with a B like boy around the world have some type of disability, not just mobility impairments, but some type of disability out of that population. And there's this stigma that people with disabilities are poor, by the way, which is not not entirely true. Um, that population has nearly eight trillion with a T, like Tom, dollars in disposable income alone <coughs> for travel and entertainment. But they're only spending about 43 percent of that. And here's why, because they don't know that places are accessible or places actually are not accessible. So, along with making places accessible and and, and changing their approach um, for again, governments, businesses, you name it, um, and and doing it for the right reasons. There's also a pure business case for doing it. Strictly business.
1: And right. If yeah. they
0: want to talk dollars and cents, and they want to talk return on investment, there there is no clearer picture uh, than than that, and. Um, You know, recently with a client, one example, uh, we did a lot of research and we showed them that um, they had primarily visitors coming from three countries all under the age of 55. And what I was able to show them is because they literally had no access, zero access, once their guests reached the age of 55 uh, or older, statistically, those folks would have some type of disability, and therefore, not be able to return to that travel destination. So suddenly, they're losing all of these repeat visitors, that repeat business, which which they typically rely heavily upon. So, you know, if we can if we can change people's mindset. And show them why it makes sense to do all of this uh, for so many reasons. We're also we're also able to train uh, and you know the staff of these entities, governments, businesses, other uh, to how to work with people with disabilities, how to employ people with disabilities. So there are other reasons to do this, and in uh, many of these countries, especially in the Caribbean and and some of the. Uh, countries over in Europe where disability is is more predominant uh, we can show countries and businesses governments uh, that we're able to employ people with disabilities and and uh, and not have them rely on government support uh, specifically or or other means of support
1: yeah that is uh that that is a great offering, you know, Fred. When you said about that uh, trillion dollars uh, available for purchase, remember, everyone: if a family has a child, a spouse, uh, you know, sibling, anyone with a disability, trust me, they're going to be oriented towards spending money to services that are accommodating to them so that that money is there. That money is there, not just from a person with a disability, but from a whole family. And how great is it to be able to take your spouse or partner or uh, anyone using a wheelchair on a vacation? I mean, that, that is just a wonderful thing that I'll bet many people have been excluded from. Fred, I know even at national parks, they have different areas that are accessible because when I was at Yellowstone, I remember seeing that. So that was my next question. If someone comes to you and they would say, Fred, you know, I want to travel, we'll say Europe, would you be able to give them insight as to where it is more accessible?
0: Yes. Yes. So again, um, if if we have not traveled there to to that destination ourselves, we have an entire network of disability specialists that uh, that we work with that can attest to and actually help recommend uh, those accessible destinations. So again, it's not just for uh, wheelchair users or mobility impairments, but. Uh, other types of disabilities as well. And you know, there's, you're right, let's get back to national parks for a second. I think over the past number of years, um, national parks have uh, done a much better job than maybe they have in the past of becoming more accessible for all. Um, still still work to do, um, but I would say it's much better than it used to be where they are trying to make the necessary accommodations for uh, mobility impairments, hearing impairments, Sight impairments, uh, you name it, uh, even to the point where you know, many national parks are even offering uh, quiet spaces uh, and, and safe spaces for people who are on the spectrum, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's look, we're now 31 years past the Americans with this passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, we're still talking about this, right? Uh, we've made a lot of progress, but we all know we, we still have a lot of work to do. And uh, and and we also know that disability doesn't discriminate, right? Uh, it cuts across every other demographic, bar none. Um, so that's why we we all have to pay attention to this. We all have to agree to do something about it. And uh, and I think once we we get there, uh, whenever there is, um, we're not going to have this discussion. We don't we don't need to have it anymore. That's that's my dream. That's my utopia. That, uh, you know, as much as I love your show, Joyce, someday it's 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 going to be obsolete because we've finally we finally reached uh, our goal. Finally reached utopia.
1: You know what, Fred? When I started Bender Consulting Services 30, uh, 26, 26 years ago, now never ever if someone would tell me. Oh, Joyce, you know, by uh, the 31st anniversary of the ADA, you know, and this would have been in 1995, if someone had said, you're still going to have 70% of people with disabilities not counted in the workforce, I would not have believed them. I would not have believed them. I really would not. I would. Yeah, and I would not believe that people with disabilities are often uh, not included even in diversity. Of course, today, Fortune 1,000 corporations, uh, the majority are, but there are still companies that have disability like off to the side. And, you know, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. why this would be when you have people that are bright. I used to say to people that, oh, yeah, even 20 years from now, you know, by then it will be Bender of India or, you know, Bender of South Korea. In other words, I thought everything would be fine. I'd be moving on. Uh, But aren't you somewhat shocked, Fred, that it's still this way?
0: I'm totally strongly from, from, um, from,
1: from, from when you were that young man that they had to carry up two flights of, of steps aren't you shocked still
0: very and you know I I, I agree with you totally that um, you know listen it's it, it's it's just been an issue for so many years and 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 always uh, was Again, an, an afterthought or, or no thought at all put into put into it. Um, that it's it's still taking uh, quite a bit to change the minds of, of leaders and others. Um, I, I thank God that um, for the most part, you know, we, we have uh, a president now, President Biden, who um, is is doing something about this and 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 uh, really, really uh, is sincere about it. If you look at uh, his appointments uh, for his staff members and, and other things that he's done already in the first few months of his presidency, uh, in, on behalf of people with disabilities, I think, you know, we're on the right path. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, and we still have many uh, leaders in Congress uh, and in, in other places that either don't care uh, or don't get it. And, and it only matters when it happens to them. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're on the right path. And I think if, again, if we continue to uh, educate and inform uh, and to to keep pressing forward, uh, we will get there. It's, it's going to take time, but we will get there. Listen, I, I talk to people in countries literally Every single day, every day goes by. I'm on, I'm on the phone or you know, Zoom calls, team meetings. that you know, they're our next best friend now. So all of this virtual stuff, and you're, you know, I'm talking to people in Sri Lanka or uh, other places, Jordan, uh, the Maldives, you name it. And accessibility, the word accessibility, is is has no meaning in many places. They 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 just don't get it. They don't understand uh, the concept of accessibility or why it's important. Um, And and then when they do, they realize that, uh, geez, it is important and they want to do something about it. But unfortunately, um, in in many countries uh, around the world, especially throughout the Caribbean, they lack government support, which I still find to be just absurd. Government support for funding or or other means of support to to change this and um, you know, take accessibility out of it for just a millisecond, uh, but even to to help people who have some type of disability in these countries, in these places, be able to survive, just just survive. Uh, you know, again, take accessibility out for a millisecond, but and they're not doing that. And I'm hearing these awful stories, just horrible stories, of people in the Caribbean, people in Rwanda, people in even in the Ukraine in other places uh, that uh, because the, there is no government support or, or very little, um, but usually none, people are literally dying in their homes because they can't get out they can't have a job. They, they, they can't buy food. They can't, uh, there's no way to have any type of healthcare. And, and, and what are we going to do about it? You know, what, what are we, when we find out about these things, what are we going to do about it? So we, we have to, we have to make noise. And, uh, as Congressman Lewis would say, you know, we've, we've, we've got to get in good trouble, right? We've got to, we've got to speak up, we've got to do something about it. And, um, Hopefully, that's that's my little give back to the world is to, to try to do something about it, to try to speak up and, and make people aware of what's going on and then working with, with the right people, hopefully, to, to try to change it.
1: It's not a little thing. It's a big thing. It's an enormous thing that you're talking about doing and challenging other people to do. And that's where that convention on rights of persons with disabilities comes in and how we have to make that happen. And with uh, President Biden, I believe it will. I, I really do. We have a president with a disability. He is so committed to diversity. I think you can see that as a uh, Fred said through his appointments, and boy Fred, you must be proud from your own state.
0: <laughs> yep, he uh, I will tell you, um, I've, I've known uh, President Biden not personally known him, but we've we've shared uh, stages and many other events over the years, but uh, he lives about ten minutes from uh, where I am, where I live, and uh, in the small state of Delaware, so, uh, it's a pretty big deal when he's, you know, in town for the weekend. Um, I'm hoping that people are more generous than not. And, and as far as if there's a little bit of inconvenience when traffic is tied up a little bit, but i um, super proud of, uh, you know, Delaware's own becoming the president after serving in so many years uh, as, a, as a senator and, and literally, you know, could say his entire life has been devoted to service, and uh, and God bless him. You know he uh, he he waited long and hard for this, um, and he's he's doing uh, whatever he can to to make things right and to lead the country in the right direction. Uh, I think, um, and we just need to you know have everybody on both sides of the table agree, and it doesn't have to be all his way it's just got to be the right way, whatever's right for the American people. And um, and I think he's trying to do that.
1: Yes, I do too. I really do. And I also really am proud of him and think that he's an absolutely wonderful president. So um, I I think the disability community will see what I mean as they see him move forward. As I said, a president with a disability, I mean, you know, What more could you possibly ask for than have someone that really understands what people with disabilities go through, especially people with some type of speech difficulty? So um, I'm really excited about that also, Fred. So Fred, a couple last questions. First, um, why don't you share with our listeners there's something that happened to you in D.C. where you were asked to speak at something, and I know you know what I'm talking about, where you were so honored to speak. Do you want to tell our listeners about that?
0: Well, yes, thank you, Joyce. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I was the the past chair of the board for the American Association of People with Disabilities. And it was during that time, uh, while I was serving as chair of the board, um, that the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington was taking place in 2013. And um, we were contacted and, and asked to uh, represent, for the very first time, by the way, uh, the nation's disability population. And so on August 28th of that year, 2013, um was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial uh with presidents uh, you know all the presidents there were president obama president carter um and um and president bush um at the time um just um delivering a speech and i i'm 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 just i'm, I'm reflecting as i'm talking about it because it was it was very emotional um that you're you're literally celebrating fifty years—the fiftieth anniversary of the March on Washington—and you're surrounded by just people that you've always looked up to your entire life. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting next to Congressman Lewis and uh, speaking of um, President Biden. It, you know, at the time he was uh, Vice President Biden, and you know, he's in front of me, and and. Uh, and I, I, all of these people, and uh, who have just impacted the world uh, for so many years, and um, so yes, I was able to very honored to deliver a speech representing the nation's disability population during that uh, celebratory event. Um, And and, and a quick funny aside, if I may. Um, So the night before, as you know, um, we were invited to a reception at the at the White House, and so uh, lots of people were there. And uh, when we got to the White House and were invited in, it was it was so crowded. The room where uh, President Obama and um, and Congressman Lewis were going to deliver remarks was so filled uh, that we couldn't get in. So uh, a staffer, a White House staffer came over and she said, would you like to get in there? I said, yeah, it would be great if you could help us. So uh, so we she helped us get through the crowd and, and took us right behind this little area that was um, kind of stanchioned off. And this uh, Secret Service agent came over and, and he said, uh, jokingly, he said, all right, You've got that corner. I'll take this corner. He said, "Don't let anybody in." And so we laughed okay. and we said, "Okay." So um, while we were waiting and, and uh, for the president and, and others to come and speak, um, the the King family, so Martin Luther King's family, uh, and it sat right next to us, which was just incredible. We we had a, a a very nice conversation, and and it was just amazing. And then I turned and I looked um, behind us because right behind us uh, there was a they had cleared a path for the president to come through uh, right before they sweep and and he enters, um, and standing right behind me was Oprah Winfrey. So I turned around and was a little shocked. So you know my, I'm sure my eyes opened wide, and Oprah looks at me and she says, "Well, hello there," and I said, "Well, hello there," and. You know, we couldn't speak because we were waiting. We had to be quiet waiting for the president to enter. Uh, so afterwards, you know, uh, we saw each other again and said hello. And then the next day, of course, was the, uh, the all of the speeches. So while I was waiting uh, in this little area uh, off of this bottom of the Lincoln Memorial, the steps to go up, uh, they had a little holding area. Like a, It's called the green room, if you can imagine, but it was really like a little tent So I'm in there by myself waiting, and all of a sudden, the the drapes open, and in walks Oprah, and she's all by herself, and she says, oh my gosh, it's you again. I said, well, it's you again, and so we started talking about uh, just all kinds of things for probably 10 minutes, Uh, and then I had to go up and, and deliver my speech, and I didn't see her again until afterwards, until all the events had ended, and we were all going down this very long Ramped sidewalk uh, from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial down to uh, to a parking area, and so we're making our way down this ramp. And all of a sudden, this this group of people comes rushing by us, and and all of a sudden they stop about twenty feet away, and they turn, and the this group of people open up, opens up, and in the center was Oprah, <laughs> and she turns and she says, "I've been looking for you." and um so we we chatted for another couple of minutes you know gave each other hugs and uh and and then you know she was off um, but I, I just thought that was just so funny that in you know, less than a day i uh, i'm running the Oprah all of these times and each time we we hugged like we were long lost friends um you know all during a very uh, emotional and very uh, solemn but serious uh, uh, ceremony and, and event, but um, that that was quite a day. I'll never forget. I will never forget for so many reasons. Trayvon Ma- uh, Martin's father came to me after my speech, and he said, um, "I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your words." And and I hugged him, and I said, um, "You've you've made quite a sacrifice by losing your son, and I want to thank you for." for being strong and for helping to change uh, the minds of so many people in the world. And and so I thanked him and uh, just, just a a very emotional, very spiritual, um, very inspirational day in in so many ways, so many ways.
1: Wow. That's a great story. That is really a great story. Uh, and, And it was a very, inspirational time, but that is also a little funny story with Oprah. That is really quite the story. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. two things. First of all, if you're listening to yes. this show and you're thinking, oh, I wish that I could tell my aunt or uncle or friend about this travel. You can't. And how you can do that is by going to Spotify or Apple or BenderConsult.com Or voiceamerica.com. But if you go to Spotify, for example, and you put in Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com, you can subscribe to my radio show, which means you will be able to hear this show and then send it to someone else. Because um, everyone, everyone needs to hear about this. This is so great for everyone. And Fred, I'm sure you'll put this on your website uh, so Absolutely. that you know if you want to send someone directly to the site. And Fred, what is your website?
0: So it's www.maztravels So that's M, like Mark, A A H S T R A V E L S dot com.
1: Okay, one more time.
0: Sure. It's www.MahsTravels.com.
1: Okay. And you also know you can always get in touch with me, Jay Bender at BenderConsult.com. And Fred, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And Fred, We always have a quote before we end the show and this one is for you because of the story you just told. And that is our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter said Martin Luther King Jr. Just for you, Fred. true. Thank you. This is Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. You're welcome. This is Joyce Bender at disability matters on VoiceAmerica.com. hey see you next week that's what we're doing we're starting the ada celebration for the month of july with maria town ceo of aapd and kelly buckland from nickel can't wait this is our month everyone don't miss it talk to you then <music>